Welcome to the Healing Place podcast, a space filled with inspirational stories of hope, along with practical advice for your healing journey. Your host is Terry Welbrock, trauma warrior, writer, speaker, blogger, therapy dog handler, and founder of the Sammy's Bundles of Hope Project. As a survivor and a thriver, Terry's mission is to shine the light of hope into the world by interviewing insightful guests from across the globe. Please stay tuned at the end of today's interview as we honor our sponsors. The Healing Place podcast is a fiscally sponsored project of Fractured Atlas. Now, here's your host and trauma warrior, Terry Welbrock. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Healing Place podcast. I'm your host, Terry Welbrock, and very excited to have with me today Jessica Miles, author of Monty's Day in Court, which I read. And um, I'm just so excited to have Jessica here today to talk to us about uh, this book and the story behind the book. So, welcome, Jessica. Thank you, Terry. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And we just before we hit record, um, yeah, just talking about I just think this book is just what a gift to um, families and children to help them understand uh, this, what can be a very scary process. Yeah. And, and for kids who don't even understand the world, the world of courts or, you know, it's just even, even more daunting in that aspect. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. For many of my listeners, they they know my story through the through the years. I've been recording this episode or this podcast for um, three years now, and I talk intermittently about my own trauma history. But when I had to testify at age twenty two uh, at a murder trial, um, it was terrifying. And and I was a twenty two year old adult. Um, who had been through a lot in my life, and but but walking in that courtroom, I just remember being, you know, I was shaky, I was scared, I didn't know what to expect, and this book um, really walks through even like who the judge is, who the court reporter is. So yeah, do you want to talk about your inspiration for the book and um, what the book's about? Sure. So. We adopted an eight-year-old from foster care. Um, He had um, already been removed, um, or he was removed from his mother, but prior to that, or two years earlier, he had been removed, um, or his father had been incarcerated for um, abuse. And um, the process of that took many years to come to trial. Uh, we had no idea if and when our son would ever be called to testify. Um, and, you know, by the time um, he was actually called to testify, we had adopted him from foster care uh, to give him the stability and everything else he needed. And others who were in this case uh, may or uh, were in foster care still and were not called. So it wasn't an even. Um, subpoena process. But I know I was terrified (laughs) when my son got the subpoena because I knew how scary it could be, maybe from TV or what I thought in my mind. And I, you know, I thought, well, they can't possibly put a child up in front of um, somebody in court. That's just too traumatizing. Um, 
but I guess you have the right to face your accuser. Uh, who knew? So, you know, I thought, oh, well, they won't make him do it in person. Maybe they'll make him do it over video. Nope, nope. And we traveled out of, out of state for this as well. So we were lucky in that we live in a major city and there was a court preparation program. So we had this amazing resource um, where we were able to go to a class and sort of learn who the people in court were. But the class was really generic. You know, it wasn't like uh, in an abuse case, you might be asked these types of questions. It just sort of talked about who was in court and gave us that information. And that was huge, um, just, just to have that. And then we were also put in touch um, with Bikers Against Child Abuse. And I was aware of what they did um, from other foster parents you know, who had helped their foster children feel safe, but I wasn't really aware of how they worked with children who were going through a court process. Um, and I gotta tell you, between those two resources, if we hadn't had them, I would have just been so much more worried. Um, I will tell you that, um, is this a good time to go into, you know, how Baca was there for us? Yes, and again, I, I just find, yeah. as I read that, I truly, I think I, you know, it was one of those things that I had heard about in passing, yeah. maybe read an article and, you know, it was just it kind of glazed yeah. over it. And as I read this, I thought, wow, that's pretty powerful stuff right there to have um, this presence presence in your life and in your child's life. Yeah, a lot of people have misconceptions about them, but they are a worldwide organization. So they are available almost everywhere. Um, But for us specifically, um, first they came and met with us and learned about the process um, or what we were going through. And then they did sort of a induction or um, initiation (laughs) for our son to become part of the BACA uh, organization. Um, They call it like a level one. And that process involves a lot of the BACA members showing up at the house, um, telling, you know, the child how important they are and how they're going to be there for them giving them a Baca um, blanket and a Baca vest with their own patch um, and a Baca bear. And soon perhaps they'll be giving out Monty's Day in court. Um, They're reviewing it at the international level for them. Wow. Yeah, it's very exciting. Uh, So fingers crossed there. But, you know, they were just such a presence. If if our son had wanted them to stand outside of our house at night, they would have done it until he said he felt safe. Mm -hmm. They do that. They even would have traveled out of state with us, following us if we were driving in the car. They, um, instead, and I should take a step back, our um, court process was delayed like four times over six months, which was also incredibly stressful for my son. So he, here he gets like ready to go. And then they say, oh, delayed, you know, ready to go, oh, delayed. And Baca kept showing up and Baca kept, um, you know, they, they'd show up with a, a hamburger or they'd show up and just, you know, whatever. Um, and then they have these events for kids as well. 
So they just, they treat you like family. And, you know, it has been years now and they are still in touch with us and they still ask about him and we're still invited to their events. So they are sort of part of our family still. And that says so much about who, the people that they are. In my discussion guide, I'm adding a little bit more information for the book. I'm adding a little bit more information about the process that their members go through um, in order to qualify to be, you know, a BACA support person because it's extensive. These are people who really care about children and safety of children and, you know, have had probably something similar happen to them in their lives. And so they are, they are sympathetic, they are caring, and they may be gruff. Um, looking on the outside, but they are the biggest teddy bears in the world. So I don't know. Um, I just can't say enough good things mm -hmm. about how they supported us and how that court program supported us um, leading up to this, you know, eventual trial. That's beautiful. I mean, just absolutely beautiful. And again, what a gift they've given families and children. Are they, now, were they present in the, in the uh, courtroom? They are not recommended to go into courtrooms. Um, I, I know in some cases they do, but they actually stood up. Well, let me first say they met us at the airport out of state, a different, a different, the one for that, the Baca for that state. They, and then they, they followed our car to our hotel and then they met up with us several times while we were there we ended up being there for like 10 days waiting for the trial to start i'm yeah. i i mean this needs to be um part of the um the aces training for prosecuting an yes. attorney because they kept us out there so long when you know we could have flown out the night before right. um instead of adding that extra trauma of waiting for my son but Baca came and, you know, took us on little outings while we were waiting. Um, and then on the day of the trial, they met us in the morning and they walked us over to the courthouse and they stood outside that courthouse like, like centuries. I mean, they were, they were there in every way. And I got to tell you, my, my son was worried about his father breaking out of jail and getting to him. Um, so this was a huge, um, huge way that he made him feel safe. There's a picture in the book of someone pulling the bars apart and that was actually how he felt. He yeah. really felt like, oh, he could get to me if he wanted to. You know, uh, that, that image really struck me when I, when I read the book. Um, yeah, it, it, because truly as someone who has testified against someone that went away to prison for a long time, that was one of my biggest fears was yeah. him that same sort of visual and it, it really was powerful for me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in a lot of these cases, they do not go to court. Um, they strike plea deals. Um, so it's pretty rare um, for it to go this long. And it's also pretty rare, uh, the sentencing that happened in this case, which is, um, you know, it, it, over a lifetime long. Um, and hopefully that does lead my son to feel safer. But a lot of these cases do not go to court, right. but they might go all the way up to court. So a child might need to be preparing for court in the eventuality that they do. But if they don't, then they understand the things that are going on just in case, you know, or behind the scenes. And they're not felt like I don't have any control over what's going on. Right. Well, and I love how you listed the questions that might be asked as well. And yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, because it's scary process. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they had a diagram of my son's child at home and they were asking him questions like, did it happen here? Did it happen here? And, you know, I will say that I was worried how harshly um, or how aggressive they would be with my son um, in questions. And they were kind. So I am very thankful for that. But, you know, maybe that's not always the case. Could be scarring for a child to get asked some of those questions or triggering even. Sure, sure. I'm I'm grateful that we're becoming a more trauma-informed world in that um, I think more um, agencies and court systems and so forth are are working in the best best interest of the child mm-hmm. um, and keeping the child in mind. Obviously, much more work to be done um, in that arena. But yeah, yeah, I'm finding a lot of judges and victim services that are very interested in this book as well. So I'm I'm really pleased to see the you know the the breadth you know to who it appeals to. So that's good. Yes, wonderful, wonderful. How's he doing now? Does he does he talk to a therapist? I mean, is he? Um, it's is it one like it's it's done? It's over? It's behind him now, and he's moved on. No, I wouldn't say he's moved on. I would say, I would say, you know, in the world of adverse childhood reactions, or um, it, it um, or adverse childhood experiences, you know. I feel like testifying should be a new one. Like, I feel like it's just salt in the wound for a kid that has ACEs. And um, I feel like emotionally it set him way back. Um, And yes, he sees a therapist (laughs) very regularly. Um, He's actually in a therapeutic program for school. And I think that really helps uh, because, you know, working with people who are trauma informed, it's, it's just the most important thing you can do for kids or anybody who's gone through these things. But no, I wouldn't say it's behind him, but we did this book a lot of ways to show, you know, what an important thing he did. And in the end, I allude to the fact that like, oh, this is hard for me, but maybe I can help someone else. And that's really, you know, we tried to make the, the lemons into lemonade with this book. Um, and that's one of the reasons I chose not to, um, draw any income from the sale of this book. I chose to make it an experience that would help others because, um, it's just, I feel like it's the only thing left to do. I, you know, I didn't feel like I could make a profit on the backs of others pain. Um, so I chose to self-publish it and, um, I did that through Amazon. It was my first book that I've ever written. And, um, you know, I think my son, um, he's really proud that he gets to like, I mean, even though he doesn't talk about it with friends or anything, but he's proud that he, his bravery is shown in this way. And I feel like that's the best thing we could have done. And, and of course he was Bacchus still too. So he's really excited about the, you know, the extra, money that comes from Amazon doesn't let you price at cost. So, you know, they make you do like a, a slight, um, a slight uh, additional amount and that amount we give to Baca. Yeah. 
Okay. He's glad so that we were able proceeds, to do that. Your proceeds go to Baca. Okay. Yeah, all proceeds. And then I've given them a number of books. But yeah, I mean, I just felt like this is the only way to make that lemonade out of the lemons. <laughs> I love it. I wrote my, my daughter and I, when she was in fourth grade, we wrote a little children's book about our therapy dog. Um, oh, before she became a therapy dog, she was in training. Um, and so we did KDP, which that is that Kindle mm -hmm. direct publishing through Amazon. Yeah. And so, yeah, I understand the process and, and it's, um, but it's such a, it's, it is such a gift to your children because, oh my gosh, she was so proud. We would do book readings at schools and, you know, because <laughs> she was a junior author and yeah, um, yeah so yeah. I love how easy they've made it. But I, I will say I had no clue as to how to go about this process. And <laughs> I had this story in my head, of course, it's not one for one with my son's experience, but it's largely based on it, you know, in a, Originally, it was, you know, he was going into foster care, and there was a bunch of other aspects, and I pared it down, but I didn't do that without the help of Gina D., um, who is also a foster mom that I got in contact with in our local foster organization here in the city, and I could not have done any of this, especially not the amazing graphics that, that she helped put together, because she brought it to light, um, and, you know, we focused, we, want, we didn't want... Um, we wanted to, well, we didn't want my, the, we wanted him to um, have, le or, and we wanted to make him ambiguous, race ambiguous, um, but also appeal to more of a Latinx or, you know, a different, to as many people as possible, we'll say. Right. And, you know, we weren't specific about the abuse and we weren't specific about the who he is. So we just tried to make it as broad reaching as possible. But I, cannot say enough about how the illustrations just came to life or the story came to life because of the illustrations. So, yes. And yeah. another foster mom who really understood. So, right. That was Wonderful. really an amazing. Yeah. Thing that we worked on together. We're so proud. <laughs> yeah. Well, and as you should be, because again, it's just such a gift to, to the world and to families and children. Um, so yeah, I, you, Thank your son for his bravery and, and you for putting it together. So yeah, group effort, group effort. <laughs> yeah. And what, well, and one of the things, you know, when I, when I asked about him seeing a therapist is because I really wanted you to talk about the re-traumatization part because testifying, I love that you said it should be the 11th ace or you know, I think they've added some other ones like the 15th ace um, because it is going back and having to, um relive the trauma yeah. and it, it but it's it's also triggering in its own right as well yeah so, yeah. yeah and also um it also gives the child a chance to feel like they did stand up and do something for themselves yeah. and you know he would you know he would say well why didn't i think of doing this or why didn't i think of doing that and i said you were just a a child, even an adult might not have done that. Don't, you know, don't be so hard on yourself. But, and then, you know, we thought, okay, well, we don't have to have him testify. Like they can't force a child to testify. Um, apparently they do though. <laughs> apparently oh. they even put babies on people's laps and bring them to court. I mean, you know, it's just strange that world, but we thought, no, let's give him a chance to do that thing, to, to, to be empowered and stand up and, and speak on his own behalf for once. Cause he was helpless before, but he's not helpless now. 
So we gave him a chance, but uh, I can't, you know, it's still triggering and it's still, God, what an emotion to have to do it against your parent, the person you relied on. Um, So, yeah, we just. Well, and that brings up a really interesting fact because what you just said, and you know, we were talking about it being almost its own ace, um, is that it could be part of the resilience score and that the testimony itself in, in finding that courage really I'm sure really helped build up his resilience and build up that uh, self-confidence and yeah, just a pride of him in himself for, for doing it and finding that courage. Yeah. Yeah. It was really something. So uh, we celebrated a lot after this, um, you know, (laughs) even during, we said, okay, during that week, you can eat dessert with every meal or something, you know, just to whatever, like celebrate his accomplishment, you know, in some way. And, you know, he actually got a stipend and he was able to buy um, something with it, but you know, that's not true in every case. So, you know, it's hard to write a book that's going to work for every situation. Um, You know, and sometimes you might be testifying on something you saw and and it still had an impact on you, even if it wasn't physical. So it's hard to write a book for every situation, but you know, you just try to, you try to do what you can. I've had people actually ask me, you should write a book with, you know, a facility dog instead of Baca, or you should write um, a book about uh, this type of trauma or that type of trauma. And I said, well, okay. (laughs) They say, you know, uh, what is Monty's next adventure going to be? I hope it's going to be a happy one. Like Monty goes to a museum. It would be, yeah, Monty series. Yeah. <laughs> the Monty resilience after, you know, the, the trauma part of it. Yeah. Well, as part of this pandemic downtime, my husband has also decided to write a book, um, but it's more of an adventure, young adult adventure book. But um, our son is also the lead character. So oh. <laughs> it's very exciting. That's so awesome. I love yeah. it. What great role models and examples. Yeah. For standing up and, well, making your dreams come true. And yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So anything else that you wanted to touch upon uh, before we close out for today? Sure. Um, You know, a lot of people have asked me what, um, who's this book appropriate for? And, you know, or age wise, you know, whatever child is able to read it. It's not the type of book that's going to be read by a child by themselves. A caring adult should be with a child while they read it, like a casa or a gal or attorney or a counselor or a therapist or a teacher or whoever. But it's not just to hand it off to a, you know, a kid and let them read it on their own um, book. It's, it's meant for whoever thinks the child is ready for that type of information. And Whoever is able to explain to the child that, um, you know, the, the circumstances that are applicable to them, yeah. maybe they don't have BACA in their community, or maybe, maybe they're doing virtual court. I don't know, but you know, it's not, it's not a handoff book. It's, it's very much meant to be like a book that's read together. That being said, having the book for a child to take home and read where they can refer back to it and feel like I'm not alone. This other kid did it. I think that's really important. And that was something I got. um, I noticed when my son was reading his court workbook on his own, he, he would refer back to it occasionally just to like, okay, now who's this? Or 
but it, you know, it's sort of a reference guide for them. But that's I mean, you took the words out of my mouth. Of I was just going to say, so more like a reference guide. Um, yeah. yeah, where a child needs guidance and understanding it, and yeah, and they might learn. They might get different things from it at different times. So, like after the trial, they might go back and say, "Oh, okay, it's okay for me to be confused, but that didn't mean anything, you know." before the trial, I didn't know. And now I'm feeling that way. And I see this other, you know, Monty was feeling this way. So I feel like, okay, that makes sense. But I gotta say, what I'm really worried about right now is all those cases that are going unreported. Yes. And I feel like after this pandemic, there's gonna be such a backlog, or I hope, I mean, I hope that there's, you know, reports that come out, but, you know, I think there's going to be a big backlog of cases. And, you know, I worry about those kids getting that chance and not losing it, you know, losing the chance to stand up and be brave. So, yeah, I've, yeah. I've heard the same thing that with this, with this pandemic, unfortunately, the frustration levels for um, adults who have lost jobs or income or, um, yeah. Children being at Record. home, just the stress of of trying to school children, even if you're working from home as a parent, and um, yes, and that now that children are being seen physically in many schools, working mm-hmm. schooling from home, the teachers don't see you know the physical abuse signs or the other signs that that they're trained to see and can report. And so that they're saying that, yes, there is. That really worries me. Numbers are rising. Yeah. We're going to need, we're going to need extra support for those children going through what they're going through. And yeah, hopefully this is just one way I can help support. Well, again, yeah. Beautiful. Wonderful. All right. Well, so how do people get in touch with you? How do they find the book? And um, yeah, if you if you happen to have a BACA resource, how can people find that as well? So uh, the book, um, information on the book can be found at montesdayincourt.com. Uh, it can be found on Amazon in English and in Spanish. Um, and um, I can be contacted through the website. Uh, if you're considering buying the book and would like to see a preview of it first, um, I'm happy to provide one for you. I don't want nonprofits or, you know, people who help children spending any money on something that's not right for them. I want them to spend money on the right things that are right for them. Um, again, because I'm not, you know, drawing an income on this book, I'm putting it out there as a resource for people to consider. Um, and you know, I am happy to chat with people about it. So anytime. (laughs) Cool. Well, again, it's just, it's just such a pleasure to have you here talking to me about this today. And um, again, thank you for this beautiful gift that you're giving to, uh, to families and to children and, um, and the gift you've given your son. I mean, just beautiful. Well, he's a brave guy. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like it. Awesome. All right. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. And remember until next time. Be gentle with yourself. Thanks. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening today to the Healing Place podcast with your host and trauma warrior, Terry Welbrock. If you enjoyed this episode and want to learn more about Terry, her mission, and the Hope for Healing journey, visit Terry's website at 
www.terrywellbrock.com. Thank you for liking, commenting, sharing, and offering your reviews on our YouTube channel, audio outlets, and Facebook page. And as Terry reminds us, until next time, remember, be gentle with yourself.